0: Heavenly Father, we are indeed very thankful that our lives are in your hands. There's no other hands with which we would entrust them. Lord, though men may try to do many things, yet ultimately you are in control. Father, we're thankful that we can have confidence that your Hands are loving hands because your son has the nail marks in those hands to demonstrate his commitment, his care, his willingness to give up all so that we might also be united and have a hope. That extends even beyond this life and this fallen world. So, Father, we want to thank you that we have this chance to worship you. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of honor. You are worthy of Of everything you've purchased us with your blood. We ask that you would uh, minister to everyone. You know their needs, even those who could not be present here. You're aware intimately of their fears, their struggles, their burdens, and we pray that you would meet those needs. And Lord, that you would inspire us as hands and feet to do your bidding. Father, we pray for the word this morning, that it could go out in your inspiration, in your power, because it's not of man, it's not of anything we can do. And so, Father, we pray that you would be working unhindered by this weak vessel of clay. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'd like to read a number of, uh, of different passages as we study what uh, the Lord has to say on the topic of fear. So I would invite you to keep your Bibles handy um, to, and, and to follow along because we will be moving to a number of different passages. <clears throat> so as I was looking through what the Word of God has to say about fear, it's surprising the the majority, there's so much that's said in the book of Psalms. Uh, David is very honest about his feelings, his struggles. He doesn't pretend to be something he's not. And he deals with the topic of fear as well, because it was a, a reality for him. He had to, his struggles that he had to go through. So let's uh, turn to a psalm that probably most people are very familiar with, and that's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea and though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me let's pause and and meditate on that particular verse yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil why? For thou art with me. In our Seinsharp, uh I think it's no accident that the way those words are, are um, painted by the music. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sing it and and uh, break the microphone. But you know, it says, "For thou art with me." For thou art with me, thy rod and thy, thy staff, they comfort me. The emphasis is on the, the thou, on, on, on the fact that Jesus is with us. The fact that Jesus is with us doesn't change the fact that David is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't change the fact that you and I may be going through difficult circumstances. We may be feeling isolated, alone. Um, It it may well be that a lot of our physical support is crumbling. It may be that our social structures are, are crumbling. It may well be that there's a lot of things going wrong in this fallen world. And David doesn't say, I cry out to God and he fixes everything. That's not what it says here he says when i realize that he is with me even in this valley of the shadow of death that's when he can feel restored in his soul that's when he can realize god is going to meet his needs this is going to give him the still waters the green pastures and what he needs that's why he says because the lord is my shepherd i will not be in need it's what the meaning of the word want is in the Old English. And even the next verse, thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. It doesn't matter that I may be surrounded by hostile forces. God, even in there, is going to, going to meet my needs, and I can be at peace, and I will fear no evil. Problems are not optional. Fear is. It is a choice for us when we are in trials and in problems to focus on those problems, to feel overwhelmed and anxious as things are beyond our ability to control. Or we can focus on the fact that He is with us AND THINGS ARE WELL UNDER HIS CONTROL. HE MAY STILL BID US TO WALK THROUGH THAT VALLEY. THERE MAY BE LESSONS THAT WE NEED TO LEARN, CHARACTER THAT WE NEED TO DEVELOP AS WE GO THROUGH THAT VALLEY. BUT WE WILL NOT GO THROUGH THAT VALLEY ALONE. AND OUR NEEDS WILL BE MET. HE WILL SEE TO IT. A COUPLE MORE Um, chapter later, Psalm 27. And of course, we could skip through the entire book of Psalms here. I'm just going to read one more. Psalm 27, verse 1. If You can follow along. I invite you to. Because we will be trying to base this on the Word of God this morning. (laughs) Because our hope cannot be in the ideas of men but only in his unchanging character and truth. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though not host, you know, and he goes through all the troubles, but even this, he will be confident. It's because the Lord is his light, light reveals the truth, light shows us what is there, what is real, what is, and, and if we walk in his light. We will not be in a darkness where we are being lied to and deceived and are stumbling. And are, uh, there, There's clarity. We may still not know all things. The Lord may reveal to us only what we need to know, but we will not be deceived. The Lord is our salvation. And then we're going to come back to that AGAIN AND AGAIN, BECAUSE THE LORD IS OUR SALVATION, WE ARE SAVED. BECAUSE THE LORD IS OUR SALVATION, IT'S NOT DEPENDENT ON ME. BECAUSE THE LORD IS OUR SALVATION, WE NEED NOT FEAR. BECAUSE THE LORD IS OUR SALVATION, WE DON'T HAVE TO BE AFRAID OF DEATH. WE DON'T HAVE TO BE AFRAID OF SIN. We don't have to be afraid of condemnation. We don't have to be afraid of hellfire because the Lord is our salvation. We can have confidence even in the face of death. This is not the first time that a Christian community has gone through a pandemic or plague—it's happened multiple times through history. I took the liberty to to look through a little bit of, about that. So, in you know, like 152 and 252, there were—we don't know—there was a drastic plague. I think almost 25 percent of the Roman Empire was wiped out. It lasted for. 15 years, it was very serious. We think it might have been smallpox when it first crossed over from humans. Uh, we don't know. It might have been Ebola the second time because of some of the descriptions of the symptoms. It was very serious. People were dying by the thousands. But, you know, and, and, and there was a distinct difference between the reaction of uh, the pagans, those who kind of were, didn't have a personal God they had confidence in, but were appeasing whatever, trusting in political or whatever things they were trusting in. When this pandemic and plague came, they were afraid. And even uh, maybe I can read a description from the Bishop Dionysius, who described what it was like um, in North Africa. He said, at the first onset of the disease, they, the pagans, pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treated unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread and contagion of the fatal disease. But do what they might, they found it difficult to escape. Yet, that bishop, you know, encouraged the Christians to have a different attitude in contrast to my, the, the default reaction of fear. Fear that might even sacrifice those closest to you to try to avoid this scary outcome, a, a painful death. He instead encouraged the, the, the believers to minister, to serve those that were sick. And uh, not only among themselves, among the Christian community, but even among those around them to demonstrate the love of Christ. And many more um, Christians survived because they cared for each other. Because water and food make a difference in your survival uh, ability. If you're left out to the street to die versus being taken care of, it makes a difference. And it was evident to the people around. To the, and, and this happened over again until, till even the pagan emperor was was um, was complaining to his pagan priests. why can't you be like the Christians that actually do don't take off and run away when there's disease? That do stay and take care of the sick. You know that's why the Christians are growing and and the pagan uh, that he religion he was believing in was, was, was falling into decay. Our choice to give in to fear or not matters. And we have a confidence based on the word of God, based on the character of God, that unfortunately, well, those around us don't have. But, and, and this is an opportunity for that to come to the front for. I want to turn to um, 1 Timothy 2, 7. And, uh, sorry, that was 2 Timothy 1, 7. I got that uh, backwards there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy was his protege. We read in Acts how he took him as a young man and took him with him and he did end up becoming um, an elder and a leader in the church but here he's encouraging him not to be afraid and to avoid allowing God to use him. He's uh, the context of previous verses Put thee in remembrance, thus stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And here's the verse that we let's, verse 7, if we read it together here. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, of love, and of a sound mind, and be not there, therefore ashamed of the testimony. Paul was in prison. There was persecution going on. And there was plenty of reason to feel you'd be a target if you identify with Christ. But Paul's encouraging Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear. Instead, he's given you a spirit of love. It's interesting, as we as studied in what the Bible has to say about fear and how... There's always a reason not to be afraid. God has given you a spirit of love instead of that fear. Am I motivating by love of my brothers or fear of, uh, of circumstances? Am I motivated by love of Christ or by fear of failure, fear of uh, uh, of what could happen to me in this life? Love, power. There is a power to faith. It's a power to, the, to seeing clearly in the light what is true versus being swept along by lies. There's a power to being anchored in the goodness and grace of God versus in your own right hand and your own ability to control WHICH IS CLEARLY DEMONSTRATED TO BE INSUFFICIENT. LET'S TURN TOGETHER THE BOOK OF ROMANS. CHAPTER 8, A PASSAGE I I KNOW I HAVE PREACHED ON OFTEN. IT'S VERY DEEP, VERY RICH, HAS A LOT OF MEANING. And I know I've yet to, to fully comprehend all of its mysteries. And let's read together from verse 15. Now, chapter 8 has got, um, I, I don't want to just cherry pick, so I'm going to give you the full context here. We begin with the solution to our sin problem through walking with the Spirit and how that gives us an overcoming life. And then this is a, a, a pivotal verse. And then we go on to the question of Suffering. And how, what our attitude is in the presence of suffering, and how we can be victorious in suffering. And here is this key verse here. Let's read it together. Verse 15 For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. This evokes the image of of going back to Egypt. It evokes the image of being slaves to something that is cruel, something that is is causing you to suffer. We know in in 1 John it tells us that that, uh, fear hath torment, and whoever fears is not made perfect in love. Again, love being the answer to our fear, and fear has torment. It's like the whips in in in, in Egypt. But, but you've not you're not back imprisoned, tied, and and we can kind of see how fear can cause us to to um, retreat. Fear can cause us to. Feel restricted and bound, and overwhelmed, and helpless, and uh, and that we cannot leave this prison cell. There's there's a bondage to fear, and it, and there's an answer to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption. Fear says you're alone. Fear says you have failed. Fear says you are. Hopeless and helpless. He fear says you cannot. But God says, no, you are my child. You are not your sin. You are not your failures. You are not helpless and hopeless and, and pathetic and puny and, and, and filthy. You may have been all those things but I have taken you and cleansed you and I have made you worthy to be my child. You were not originally such. That's why it's adoption. But I have chosen to love you. I have chosen you. In some ways, adoption is is more of an act of love where you choose someone who, who has no claim on you as we had no claim on God. And you choose to take them in, and and you identify, you make them share your name, who you are. And God has done that. He has given us a spirit of adoption, and we can now have an intimacy with God. We can say, Abba, Father. Again, this is the presence of a chapter on suffering. We need not be afraid, because thou art with us. Because he's not only with us, he says, you are you are mine. You are, in a way, you are, we are one. You're hidden in me. You're my child. You can feel safe. You have this intimate acts of the Spirit inside of you bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and joint heirs with christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be glorified we're not saying there's no suffering we're not saying there's no pain the bible isn't health and wealth believe in the lord and you will have a big house and car and free from all this that's not what the bible says the bible's saying there will be suffering and suffering is the path to glory it's the path that jesus took don't you think you're going to get a better path than jesus did the path that leads to the cross is the path that leads to glory, but it's the path that Jesus is with you on. You don't get to choose your own path. But I reckon the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed hereafter. And he goes through how God has a plan to redeem as he did from the very beginning, the creation. He has a plan to redeem us and the spirit inside us is working for, to connect us with God. And the glorious finale here that who is he that condemneth, right? Uh, there, for I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. And, and I forgot to read that in Second Timothy. Again, that word persuaded, Paul is, is saying the same thing. We start off with you know there, that does not give us a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind, and then he goes on to, to say how that that he is persuaded that uh, that you know of, he, of whom as um, verse twelve here. For which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know I know whom. I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Why can I free myself from the spirit of fear and anchor myself in the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind and self-control? It's because I know I know him. I don't know where the coronavirus came from and who's behind this and how this is going to end up and when this is going to happen, but I know him. I know whom. That's all you need to know. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able. That's what faith is it's believing that God is going to come through on his promises and acting accordingly. It's very simple. This idea of bondage through fear, he is throughout the Bible. I was very thankful your brother was sharing. He's studying through the word of God through Hebrews as, as an exercise. And in the second chapter there, there's a verse here I'd like to, to read together. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15. <clears throat> says, and, okay, maybe we'll give some context again. We're talking about Jesus. Hebrews, he's revealing who Jesus is. To the, to the Jews that they kind of missed over. He is the true fulfillment of, of all the covenant and the promises. For as much then, he's talking about Jesus, that he through death might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, verse 15, who through the fear of death were all their life subject to bondage. Jesus is able to deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Bondage through fear. Specifically now the fear of death. But the fear of death is overcome. Why? The previous verse, Jesus said that Jesus died through death that he could destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. The fear of death is being conquered because Jesus broke the bars of the tomb. He died and He paid our sin. He took on Him all the consequence that we can now go through death with confidence because He's gone through and He has made the way. He has done what we could never do. 1 Corinthians 15, you know, reiterates the same idea. 1 Corinthians 15 is about the chapter of, on, on resurrection. There was doubts. Do people really come back to life? And, and Paul is spending, this one of the longest chapters here in the Bible on this, and he's concluding here. Um, so when this corruptible, this body that is, this is going to turn to dust, it's not going to last. There's no point trying to hang on to life forever in this body. It's getting old. We can all see that. But when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption... And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Victory. O death, where is thy string? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. It was because I was a sinner I had to be afraid of death. Because I had to be afraid of facing the judge who's going to hold me to account for the things I've done. But Jesus has overcome that. So there is no more sting in death. There is no more fear in the grave. They were swallowed up in victory. And now we can have the confidence that this, though we die, it will not be the end. We know that there will be a resurrection. And therefore, and in that resurrection, we will be saying, Abba, Father, we will be with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If this world is all you've got, then maybe you are going to run. Maybe you are going to tunnel and turtle and and cut off everybody and say, I'm just going to try to save me and mine and maybe just me. And, and, and try to save the only thing you have. But this is not the end. This is not the final. We have a life that goes beyond the grave. We have a hope that goes beyond it. So now what you do has value. It will be something that will benefit you throughout eternity. So brethren, be steadfast. Don't be shaken. Don't be afraid. Be unmovable. Don't be shaken by the circumstances. Abounding in the work of the Lord. Now's a time for that we can do more. And we and and we because we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord, that death is not the end, and we do not have to be carpe diem. And and there's more that you know Paul speaks on the subject. He's speaking to others who, who who thought who were afraid. What happens to those who, who die and he he gives them this glorious hope of resurrection in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4:18 Well, let's go we can start from th- verse 13 1 Thessalonians 4 But I would not have you ignorant brethren. 1 Thessalonians 4:13 I don't want you to be and we're not talking about ignorant in the sense rude, but ignorant in the sense of, being ign- of not knowing the truth. Concerning them which are asleep, which was a euphemism used for, for those who have died, don't be uh, afraid that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. There is a distinction. There needs to be a distinction between those who have this hope and those who do not. Those who do not they will never see their loved ones again they have there is deep there is grief that has no answer and i'm not minimizing the grief that our our dear sister lena and sister margaret are going through as they've lost their 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 husband here in this life and and they don't have them with them to to share life but but it's not the end we sorrow but We don't sorrow like those who have no hope. There's a difference. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus, who have died believing in the Lord Jesus, God will bring with him. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not prevent, which means we will not precede, those that are asleep, for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, and with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort ye one another with these words. <clears throat> we are not. AS OTHERS WHICH HAVE NO HOPE. BECAUSE WE HAVE THIS HOPE, IT ENCOURAGES US TO ABOUND THE WORK OF THE LORD. IT ENCOURAGES US TO MAKE SACRIFICES, NOT TO BE, IT it SEEMS THAT, YOU KNOW, Satan's strategy and even as it was back then as I looked through the history Satan was trying to divide the church back then and trying to get them distracted from where their hope and their the source of love and their adoption to to questions and divisions and and as we face uh, some of the challenges we're going through Satan's going to want to divide us on issues of you know to take a mask or not, to vaccinate or not, to, to you know, Trump or Biden or whatever. There's sadly people are divorcing over these issues, people who are, are allowing it to separate themselves. And as they take their eyes off of the truth and onto questions out of a sleight of hand, look over here when I really am working in with my other hand. But it was interesting, as I looked through these plagues and the Christian response, I I came across Martin Luther gave a quote that I thought was very balanced. It's not like, you know, oh, there is no plague. Oh, the plague will not touch me. I am safe because God's going to keep me safe. Oh, you know, let's all run and hide. It was none of those things. Listen to, to Martin Luther's uh, response As someone asked him should a Christian run flee um, the plague and he wrote in a letter in response and said I shall ask God mercifully to protect us then I shall fumigate help purify the air administer medicine and take it I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and then pollute others and so cause their death, and as a result of my negligence, as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me, so I am not responsible for either my death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is... SUCH A GOD FEARING FAITH BECAUSE IT IS NEITHER BRASH NOR FOOLHARDY AND DOES NOT TEMPT GOD. DO YOU SEE THE BALANCE HERE? WE TRUST IN GOD. GOD'S IN CONTROL. THAT DOESN'T MEAN I'M NOT GOING TO TAKE STEPS TO BE RESPONSIBLE TO uh, PREVENT ME FROM BEING A SOURCE of, OF CAUSING AND SPREADING DISEASE. To, to avoid places where I, I might be a vector of, 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 of something unnecessarily. But on the other hand, I trust that God's in control. And if it's my time to go, I can have that confidence. As we've read, I have no fear of death. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord, and He's in control. And I am, as long as I am doing what He wants me to do, I don't have to be afraid of that time. But on the other hand, if there is a need, I'm not going to shirk, I'm not going to shy, I'm not going to let fear cause me to pull back from serving my brother and sister. It's not going to let fear keep me from serving my neighbor, from serving those who are in need. And because Christians have done this in the uh, uh, presence of pandemics like this, That caused Christianity to spread as there was a distinction, as the wheat and the tares of Jesus' parable are distinguished by their fruit. It's a time of testing. And God's not going to know our words. He's going to know the spirit and truth of our actions, of whether we believe and we have faith that these words are true, that Jesus is our light and my salvation, of whom shall I be afraid? or whether these are words to us will show up in how we, how we act and how we live our lives. May the Lord encourage us to abound, to be faithful, to be steadfast, to be unmovable. May God bless his word. Let's like to continue... Uh reading the song that we uh, were singing together. It's very deep and meaningful words. However he may deal with me, whate'er he wills shall please me. By faith his will, my will shall be. I hope that he will bless me. Whatever he may do shall be, the very best there is for me. His care will e'er possess me. In midst of life's most trying woes, I joy in his care ever. I know whatever ways he goes, their wondrous ways forever. What ill may seem, he well doth mean. My foe, he nevermore hath been. In love, he chastens ever. And thus, my faith secure shall stand upon his promise ever. No one shall me from his strong hand now or hereafter sever. For what he spake, he will not break. He is my trust that not shall shake. His name I'll praise forever. That will conclude this morning service.